Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of TheRandyReport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community and its allies. Growing up in Kentucky, a passion for music led Josie Greenwell to Nashville in pursuit of a career as a singer-songwriter at the age of 18. In the midst of trying to stand out and discover his own unique sound, like many bright-eyed young musicians do, he was also on a journey of self-discovery with his sexuality. As years went by and a few seemingly promising deals fell through, Greenwell, at the age of 21, released an independent album of his work to date titled My Life on the Radio. The album was produced in Nashville with all 13 tracks written by himself. Greenwell released the album on CD Baby and marketed it on his MySpace page, and eventually won a fan-voted contest to be the opening act for Little Big Town's 2009 A Place to Land Tour in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He went on to open for more country acts such as Zac Brown Band, Dirk Spintley, and Steve Holy. He also hosted and performed at various LGBTQ Pride events across the nation. But with no record label, management, or financial support, Greenwell became increasingly discouraged. Unhappy with his career, Greenwell moved to Miami, Florida to explore new sounds for his music. In 2012, he released his single Stuck in My Head, which reflected an expanded sonic landscape influenced by his experience in Miami. To promote the new single, Greenwell set off to Europe on a self-funded tour, performing at small dance clubs in Germany, Italy, Switzerland, and France. With the new single and having completed his first tour, he revisited Nashville record labels, shopping himself to be signed for a record contract, which resulted in passes from music executives. During that time, not only were his hopes for a successful mainstream career seeming to fade in the distance, but his internal struggles with his sexuality continued leaving him feeling a sense of shame many gay men tend to experience in the first years of coming out. In one of those revisited Nashville label meetings, a few well-known executives in town advised him to rebrand his image and leave, quote, all questions of sexuality up to the listener. He was told a good way to be asked less questions about his then-referred-to current issue was to appear more masculine. Taking their unfortunate advice to heart, Greenwell relocated back to Nashville in the fall of 2013 to begin production on what would become his country pop EP titled Roadmap, released under the stage name Nate Green. The blend of country influences coupled with dance pop production proved popular with a new audience, but it wasn't long before the media realized Nate Green appeared to be a non-gay version of openly gay, gay pride performing Josie Greenwell. The result was a frenzy of public backlash, especially from the LGBTQ community, who regarded his seeming retreat back into the closet as some kind of betrayal of gay pride. Between his personal struggle with his sexuality, believing he had to externally suppress who he was in order to live his passion, and the public ridicule of his decisions— Greenwell canceled all further roadmap single releases and promotions, set the guitar down, and turned to his next love, fitness. He moved to New York City and became one of the most prominent fitness instructors at the popular Barry's Boot Camp. But Greenwell's love for music and songwriting never left him. And so he's currently releasing his first new music in years in advance of his upcoming album, City Games. 
He's also shared short video clips for a docu-series titled The Road to Me, where he discusses in detail his journey, hoping to help other young LGBTQ people who may be feeling the same type of shame in coming out as he did. Greenwell describes the new album as super slick production fueled with city inspiration and same-sex relationships. Of his new single, 102, Greenwell says he co-wrote the song with his producer, Danian, about the feelings of compare and despair with seeing everyone online living lavishly when in reality, that's not their truth. The title is a play on the phrase, Keep It 100. But the song's BPM is a chill 102, so Greenwell says, keep it chill and keep it real. Let's take a listen to 102 and then chat with Josie about his journey through the music industry to here. You thought that you could get away Telling lies straight to my face Think you clever playing your games I see the way you do your thing What's your secret? I wanna know What you hiding down on the low Rolling up to the club like you're hot shit In a crew as fake as your watches I don't know where all of your money comes from Every week in another location And you're killing my good vibration I don't want any from Give it up yeah. Keep it 102 No more fake it till you make it Go along with the groove Keep it 102 Why so hard to keep it real if you First to admit, been a hot mess, and I had my own names in your contacts. Thought I was too cool, but too lame. He's straight, now he gay. And I talk kind of funny, but I put it down. Gotta grow up and know what you throw around. If you think we're working out, you better drop these games. Like Rolling up to the club like you're hot shit. In a crew as fake as your watches. I don't know where all of your money comes from. Every week in another location. And you're killing my good vibration. I don't want any from. Give it up. No more fake it till you make it Go along with the groove Keep it 102 Why so hard to keep it real If you can keep it 102 Keep it 102 No more fake it till you make it go 
first of all, I want to say I love the new song. I really do, 102. Oh, thank you. But it's a different musical direction than your other work, which was oh God, more so country. <laughs> Where did that come from? I like it. Well, I like country, but I, I like this kind of pop Latin thing. Where did that come from? So really just kind of musically in my entire journey, I've, I've never really wanted to box myself into a specific genre. And I think when I started originally, you know, that was what I was told is you have to be in this genre. You have to be this sound, you know, if you're going to do this, you have to do that type of thing. And it just never really meshed well with me. And I always wanted to experiment with stuff. And I was always told, well, if you do that, we may not be able to label it country. You know what I mean? And so this time on this project, just being able to have that creative freedom, I said, okay, I want to experiment with as many sounds as possible. I want the producer I work with to be able to experiment as well and things that he's wanted to do. So with 102, that's this producer's complete specialty, I guess you'd say. He does a ton of stuff in the Latin world, and he's done a ton of Latin remixes. And this was the first song we worked on together. And he asked, you know, can we take this in a certain direction? And I was like, oh, my God, I would love that. So we just started meshing with these different ideas of pop and Latin, and that's where this sonically came from. The production is so good. Congratulations to your producer. Thank you. He's great, yeah. He really is. What I am not clear on is, can we get a timeline on your career in music? Because I understand when you left high school, you went to Nashville. I did. And you were writing and you were meeting up with other people and collaborating the way people do. I have tons of friends in Nashville that follow that path. But at the time, you were openly gay. You were figuring out who you were. Did Was Josie known as a gay person? And I don't mean to get – uh, for the listeners, you're going to see why I'm asking these questions. Normally, I don't care <laughs> about someone's sexuality. Uh, but, no, no, no. But there's I, a story. I definitely was. I was – you know, I was definitely out, but that was always kind of the, the issue is like, okay, so I say I'm out, I come out, but what does out mean? You know, I didn't really grow up with a lot of those role models around me. And so I'm like, okay, I'm out. So now what do I do? Do I put on like a sequence speedo? Like, how do you be <laughs> out? You know, like, I would love for someone to, to help me kind of guide this through. So yeah, I was definitely an openly gay artist. Meanwhile, struggling inside on what that meant, you know, and the more that people kind of claimed me to be that, the more I was just like, well, I guess I am that, you know, the whole like pigeonhole type of thing. Sure. And if th what year would this be? Like around what time would this be? Oh, gosh. Well, let's see. I'm 19. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, let's see. I, so I graduated. This was about, I moved to Nashville about 2000. Nine, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and I was there, just kind of in. Yeah, I was there for about four to five years. I left. I ended up moving to Miami for a year. You know, I was like, I want to live my life. <laughs> I did that, and then I explored different sounds. I did a pop single actually when I lived in Miami, and then I came back to Nashville around two thousand thirteen, fourteen. Actually, no, two thousand fourteen is when I came back to Nashville. And this is where the story takes a little turn, am I right? And this, yes, this is where it, it well, I don't know if it's a little turn, but it definitely goes somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so you got a deal or you started working with a production company and you were advised that being gay was not going to be marketable. This was the advice you were kind of 
given at the time. Am I right? Yes. And just to clarify, it wasn't from this company. This company did not, okay. you know, they, they did not sit me down. They, you know, they did not say in terms of, you know, my sexuality and whatnot. This is from advice when I was going around trying to get a deal. Okay. So when I came back to Nashville and I was going around to the different offices and playing my thing, playing my demos and, you know, kind of showing everything I've done, it was, it was advised and, I, I don't know if you want, would want to call it a warning. Maybe mm. I guess maybe, but how hard it was gonna be for me if I continued down this particular road. Does that does that make sense? Oh yeah, oh absolutely. And just to add a little background for me, in another lifetime before I was a journalist, I was an artist myself. I was a, an actor on Broadway. I moved to New York City when I was 20, 21. In a different way, but a similar way as an artist. I completely understand how. When we create things, when we're an artist, we want to see our artistry embraced. We, we don't want to create artistry necessarily in a vacuum. We want people to see it and understand it and it to make an impact. So I can understand if someone's telling you, well, you may not have the success you want if you are this one thing. And we also know country music has had some, shall we say, tension or, or um, yes, I'm ready for it. I was like, I'm ready for the word he says. <laughs> Tension's a good word. The country music world hasn't really been super, super embracing of the LGBTQ artists. I know we have Shelley Wright, we have Ty Herndon. You know? There's always a thing, and you know, it's it's Nashville, it's Tennessee, and and I get that. One thing I was interested. So you changed your name. You became Nate Green, and you released a project called Roadmap. It's interesting because my middle name is Ignatius. Mm-hmm. So that's where Nate came from, was my middle name. And obviously my last name is Greenwell, so I just dropped the well, and it was Nate Green. It was one of those things where even in my own personal life, I don't feel necessarily not accepted, but I definitely didn't feel completely accepted and and comfortable with it. So when you're hearing from these, you know, huge high executives that you would probably be a lot more successful if you choose another direction, well, in that time, all I wanted to do was do music. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, I can, you know, not put my sexuality as the front runner anymore, you know? And that's what I did, yeah. So Nate Green comes along. And you release an album called Roadmap. I did, yes. Before you were Nate Green, you had been performing, people knew you, uh, you'd performed at Gay Prides, I, I understand. And so there was yeah. there, there were there was a part of the, the public that knew who Josie Greenwell was, Now this guy who looks a whole lot like Josie Greenwell is named Nate Green, and Mm -hmm. things are a little different. And I saw a music video you did with a really beautiful girl, and it's kind of romantical-ish and stuff. And so it it seems to, as I understand, you didn't suddenly come out and say Nate Green is straight, but you just didn't address that. So there was a little bit of a backlash. People started saying, oh, he wanted us. Can you talk about that for a second? So... I wouldn't really call it a little bit. I would call it a lot of bit of backlash. You know, for me, it, w- it was enough for me to stop. You know, I stopped music. I thought, okay, well, I, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, there, my insecurities were just completely overtaking. There was so much shame at that point, you know, just within myself that I just completely stopped. I was like, well, then I don't want to do music anymore. <laughs> And you've mentioned the word shame, uh, I think, in, in your first video, The Road to Me, you mentioned shame. And shame is a big deal for a lot of LGBTQ people. We, mm-hmm. So many of us are taught from the time we're little that this thing that 
is us that we're eventually going to figure out. Many times, depending on where you grow up and the people you grow up with and the time you grew up, it's about shame. And so we do kind oh of gosh, yeah. hope that, well, gosh, maybe we hope that we're not gay or something. And it, we, it basically puts us on a path that we have to go figure this all out. A heterosexual people don't have to do. And they have their own problems. Yeah, so I'm not going to say everybody's, you know, I'm not going to say oh, everybody totally. has a blessed life. But as gay people, we, we have this thing that, that often sometimes we have to figure out. One of the beautiful things I will say right now that as I write and I talk to young LGBTQ people, it's sometimes beautiful how much they own themselves at such a young age. And I look at them oh, and I just I'm go. I'm jealous. I wish I was that brave and courageous from the beginning. Yeah. And God bless them that they had the support or they, they felt that they had the support or that they were, you know, I went to a wedding. Uh, my best friend from high school was a Texas cop, complete Republican. We're best friends. I'm the godfather of his son. I went to his son's wedding. The most popular person at this wedding was this young LGBTQ boy who was like, 18 years old. He went to high school with all of these people. He led the girls in, in a dance competition against the guys, and the DJ just picked him to win because he was just the most fabulous thing in the room. And everyone loved him. He was him. probably and the I, best, too. And I sat there going, here we are with all these people. So this exists, that there's this, this acceptance and this wonderful thing, and I love that. But this isn't something that you were getting at the time. I wasn't. And, and to be honest, that's kind of the whole point of, you know, me even wanting to do music in terms of like my passion. You know, I don't I don't necessarily have to do it right now. You know, I'm financially OK in my job. I, I love what I do. I, I want to do music and hopefully be that person for someone out there, maybe who this could change their life. This could change their perspective. Maybe there isn't someone that is, is as courageous as some other kids right now, you know, just to be someone that I didn't necessarily have. And I'm not saying that there were not people out there who were, you know, completely leading the way and brave and speaking up for others, because there definitely was just in the South, that awareness is so much lower, you know. Well, I was going to ask at one point in the, the second video, you mentioned that, that you didn't know any openly gay artists to be role models or idols for you. But I have to ask, you knew who Elton John and Ty Herndon and Shelley Wright were, right? Or did that not register for you? Or It did register for me. You know, in terms of the kind of people I grew up really listening to, I was striving for the kind of, I guess you would say, notoriety as you know, someone on a pop radio station, you know, someone like a Taylor Swift, someone like a Justin Bieber, you know, these were just massive stars who were paving the way. I wanted to be a gay version of that. Got it. Okay. Or not. Yeah. And I wanted to be, you know, the gay that, which was being told it wouldn't happen. So yeah, I knew, you know, people like Shelley Wright and I knew people like Ty Herndon and Obviously, Elton John. I feel like Elton John is just in, he's paved his own way. You know, he's just in a category on his own. He certainly is. I I don't, you know, no offense to anyone else. It's just like, it's like saying Beyonce, you know, she's just in her own league. But to be honest, you know, this type of country artists that were on my radio weren't Shelly Wright. It wasn't Ty Herndon. 
So when you said that, you were were referencing that kind of a thing. Not that you didn't know of openly LGBTQ artists. It's just where they were musically or career-wise wasn't what what you were looking for. Correct. I felt like them coming out had completely ruined their careers unfairly. You know, I don't think it was deserved at all because they're both completely so talented. But I felt like me starting being out, my career was already over in that sense, you know. And so looking at someone so successful, that wasn't who I was looking to. So now that you have new music out, are you feeling any sense of chapter two of this backlash of, oh, now he's back to being Josie Greenwell? Um, no. I, and, and the thing is, is I, I bet it's, I mean, it's already come. I've had a, lo- a ton of people say something like that. But in terms of the, there's so much more positivity in authenticity, mm-hmm. you know, and for me, the reward for that is, is more than any type of criticism I would get. And it's something I wanted to do, you know. And like I said, if, it, if some kid in Nashville sees this story and maybe he changes his own perspective and is brave enough to be himself, then it's all worth it, you know. Right. But no, I, I don't really think that backlash, just to answer your question, I don't really feel like I answered your question. <laughs> I don't really. No, that's good. That is a good thing. I know in the second video, something else I wanted to ask, because this is something I wrote about on a totally different subject recently. Mm-hmm. But you speak at length about how the LGBTQ community can turn on you and be hateful. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I will say I do think that the gay culture likes to watch people's demise a little bit more than any other culture. There's a different way to tell your opinion rather than hate. Mm-hmm. You know, the first, the first reaction is usually hate. Why not question? Why not inspire change it's like if you're shaming someone into change all they're going to do is act but if you inspire someone into change then that's when it's actually authentic and so you felt like when it came down to the nate green josie greenwell thing that people came after you in a really ugly way i I remember you mentioned that that someone came up to you in a club and said oh i wrote one of those hateful things about you yeah as if i was supposed to thank him and or think it was funny or something or yeah, you know, it's 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 really interesting because after everything that has happened in terms of, you know, those years of me in Nashville and all of the backlash, no one asked. I think there's a difference between asking and accusing, and it was just accusations left and right. And maybe at the time, I wouldn't have been able to even explain myself. You know, I think I think everything happens for a reason. I do think that was just my particular journey, and it brought me to where I am to be comfortable enough to speak on it. Right. You know, and to speak on shame, to speak on growing up, you know, not knowing necessarily who you are, kind of internally struggling with that. But I just don't know why the gay community has to accuse like that. One thing I'll say is I am so not happy about how social media in particular not just for the gay community, but for so many people, has seemed to have given people permission to be able to say these things from behind a keyboard that they mm-hmm. would never say to someone's face. And it's, it's in politics, yeah. it's in entertainment, it's in a lot of things. And, and I really hate all of that because people love to say, oh, well, I, I don't like being politically correct. And I just want to say, but can we be civil? Can we just be 
civil. Oh, Can yeah. we ask questions? I mean, even even those YouTube videos I put up, there have been so many people asking questions in oh, such read. a polite way. You know, but there's there's been actually a lot of really polite questions. Hey, I just kind of don't understand this. Can you explain that? And I love talking about that. But when there's people that just bash from the get-go, it just doesn't make sense. It's like so hypocritical. One question I did want to ask is because you do talk about the, sh- the idea of shame, growing up gay and having to overcome that. In the middle of – as you're becoming Nate Green temporarily and then mm-hmm. going back to being – Josie Greenwell, who you are, and was there in being Hello, Nate, it's me again. It's me again. <laughs> was there any sense of shame while you were in the middle of it of knowing that you were kind of becoming someone else for a reason of shame? Does that make sense? What I just yeah, said? It, it it does, and I I couldn't identify it until after. Right. That's that that's what I figure. Makes sense. You know, it's like guilt is I made a mistake, but shame is I am a mistake. And you don't really understand that until kind of after the fact, at least. I will say it never felt right. It never felt right. You know, I just, I wanted to do music. I wanted to do my passion so badly that, you know, you will kind of do anything it takes. You know, you hear that all the time from young artists growing up, gay or straight. You know, it's like, I'll do anything it takes. And like what it takes sometimes is, is to hell and back, you know? So I will say doing all of that, it, it just never felt right, but I didn't necessarily know what right felt like. Ah, yeah, I get that. If you could go back, would you do it again? I don't know if I would have known any better. Because you sometimes know? we're on the journey we're on. Yeah, I mean, I love this journey. I, if I could have gotten to this position another way, sure. <laughs> you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. a lot of people have asked me, you know, would you apologize for anything? And if there's any LGBT, you know, if there's anyone in that community that felt as if they were portrayed, you know, absolutely. I'm not just going to sit here and be like, well, this is about me. You know, like, that's a terrible thing to feel. And if anyone did feel like that, I am sorry for that. You know, but I'm, I'm mainly sorry for myself that all the years I kind of lost trying to navigate my way through that. Oh, one last question. Do you understand why people were upset at the thing? Oh, yeah. That it kind of made it seem like... Oh, 100%. And, and that kind of goes back to social media, what you were saying. In terms of did I ever claim I was straight? No. Was there a lot of people that claimed I claimed I was straight? Absolutely. How it looked? Oh, 100%. You know, I was playing this character. But that just kind of goes to show you social media can be such a snowball... And once it snowballs out of control, I understand why people delete their social media. But yeah, I, I, I 100% get it. And I personally, knowing what I know now, would I have reacted differently than a lot of people did react to me? Yes, I would have. You know, I see a lot of people's responses. To me, tells me that they maybe have a journey they need to go on as well. And a lot of times I know when I'm on the other side of my keyboard here and I'm looking at things on social media, I'll hit my own pause button and think, now, Randy, why are you going to write that? Are you going to fix something with this? Are you going to make something better? Are you just going to have a moment? Mm -hmm. And do you need to, like, work on something here, Randy? Yeah. (laughs) I want to say thank you so much for having the time to do this. It's fun chatting with you. I do like your music. I look forward to the new album, City Games. Do you know when you're going to release it? Um, It's going to be towards the end of the year. 
I like I said, I like the music. I believe in second chances, third chances, whatever it is. I think everyone's on a journey. And of course, we all have to give ourselves <laughs> a break. We all have to say we grow up. So I get the idea of being allowed to make mistakes and apologize for them and grow mm-hmm. from them and all of that. So I just wanted to say that to you. I really do. I believe that. Well, yeah, I totally agree. And thank you for saying that. I think everyone's what I've really learned is everyone is on their own journey and they're also on their own timeline in their journey. You know, maybe their timeline doesn't match up with you. And so I've definitely learned, you know, over the years to kind of speak politely on that, you know, because maybe they're not as far along in their journey as they even think or know. And I don't necessarily think that journey has to be linear either. These days, I just keep asking people as politely as I can if we could just maybe find a little more grace. Oh my gosh, just be kind, right? Be kind, absolutely. Listen, I'm going to let you go. I really appreciate you having the time for this. Thank you, thank you so much. No, thank you. I, pre- I appreciate all of it, really. You have a great day. You too, thank you. In addition to 102, Greenwell has also recently released singles Cowboy and Fire Eyes, all of which are available now on digital download sites and can be streamed on Spotify, Apple Music, and more. Look for his upcoming album, City Games, planned for release later this year. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoyed catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you would share it with your friends. I like to think of The Randy Report as the 60 minutes of gay news, only shorter. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com, where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community and its allies. I'll close out this episode with a little bit of Josie Greenwell's single, Cowboy. Thanks for listening, folks. Please remember, wash your hands a lot, practice social distancing, and take care of yourselves. See you next time. Tennessee whiskey faded from my head to my boots. Blue moon shining, you and me grinding. Sugar, we got nothing to lose. I don't wanna party no more. Can't we get the show on the road? I'm just trying to take you home. Before we get it up, you just gotta know. I ain't your cowboy, this ain't a roundup.
Get your cowboy, this ain't around us.